1: The Den Husky Mormon House podcast fans. It is now episode number 72. It is Sunday, August 1st. No, I can't believe it's already uh (laughs) into August. It really is crazy. Uh, lots of topics to discuss this week. Again, plenty of NHL free agency and trades that we'll have to cover from the Minnesota Wild all the way from the west to the east coast, and then uh, a couple of other interesting quirks that's happening around the National Hockey League. And then we'll touch a little bit of some Olympic news surrounding the NHL as well as USA Hockey. We'll discuss trivia as well as get into some more uh, in-depth breakdowns of the Minnesota Wilds' recent signing departures and uh, what their current depth chart looks like heading into the 2021-22 season. And then in our extra ice session, we will discuss and break down some of the biggest winners and losers we feel as of right now here, August 1st, uh, that have come out of the NHL trade and free agency season. And with that, we will get right into it, starting with Center Ice View and News and notes in the Huskies Illustrated Weekly
0: Round center ice view news and notes center ice view provides you with the best coverage of st cloud state huskies hockey from game notes recaps photos and more go to centericeview.com
1: Let's get right into it. So, again, the NHL had a two big uh, dates coming here this last week since we recorded last Sunday. It was the free agency uh, deadline, which was this last Wednesday. I should say free agency opener, I should say. And then, of course, uh, the trades were starting to fall out. Uh, there have been 291 trades, buyouts, and free agent signings across at least since last Sunday since we recorded. Noah. Uh, in Minnesota, a couple of departures were noteworthy. Nick Benito went to the San Jose Sharks. and Cole going to Carolina Ryan sooner signing as a free agent with the Dallas Stars, or for those the former Minnesota North, yes, Norm Green still sucks. Uh, He will be there for the next four seasons. Uh, The Wild will need to fill a couple of different points, which we have done, so already we'll get to that in our extra ice session. Uh, First, they did add 35-year-old Ford and former Minnesota Golden Golfer Alex Zagalagoski to a one-year, $5 million contract. The deal does come with a full no-move clause. Uh, Next two bottom six, uh, excuse me, Bottom six forward, Frederick Goudreau, who was given a two-year deal. 30-year-old defenseman Dmitry Kulikov, who has been a little bit of a journey around the league. And then also John Merrill getting a one-year signing. And then in the Miners Iowa, adding uh, Dominic Turgeon and Joe Hicketts. And also former St. Cloud State Husky, uh, John Lozano, who is part of that 2018-2019, uh, just fantastic hockey team. Uh, Then, of course, you had a a very early exit of the NCAA tournament. And then also some re-signing through Minnesota, Brandon Duheim and Dakota Vermis, both getting two-year extensions.
0: Yeah, we'll circle back to the Minnesota Wild, uh, like you mentioned uh, later in the show here. But the NHL right now is investigating San Jose Sharks forward Evander Kane after his wife Anna posted three Instagram stories on Saturday, uh, accusing Evander of throwing games to support his gambling addiction and a claim that quote the NHL lets a compulsive gambling addict still play when he's obviously throwing games with bookies to win money and asks how the NHL can quote let a player gamble on his own games. In response, the league is conducting a full investigation. Kane did file for bankruptcy in January, reportedly had $26.8 million of debt at that time of his filing and held assets of only $10.2 million. And I did just see this morning that Evander uh, had released a response, a uh, responding statement that said that he, that isn't happening and it's not true and it's never happened and he doesn't know what she's talking about. So kind of an interesting little um, foray into the off-ice antics of uh, Evander Kane. And, you know, to, to, to jump on that, too, that the rumors are that he is, um, Vander
1: Keen is over in Europe uh, for the summer where his wife and is back in the San Jose area. And again, unconfirmed, but it sounds like um, uh, his wife and it has, uh, uh, is taking care of their very young daughter. Also, she's pregnant with the uh, son that's supposed to be coming due here shortly. So uh, it sounds like there's some, possibly some relationship issues at play here. Um, and, and again, sounds like she, uh, uh, maybe she knows something noah but uh if there is is some truth to this uh, it sounds like she is kind of fed up with uh uh the husband so to say but again you know um <laughs> nhl is gonna obviously do their due diligence and see if there's any uh, merit to this and um you know maybe we want to touch on this maybe in a different extra ice session because there could be some pretty interesting consequences if the nhl does even find some of this uh, to be true because we it's been well-documented, as you mentioned. With it. He's got a, a gambling problem. He's had one for a while. Um, he's he's kind of come forward about it, uh, but it's, uh, according to his wife, it doesn't seem to have stopped. Uh, and and <laughs> Possibly, <laughs> it, it could be uh, the really wrong betting uh, if it's on your own hockey game. So we'll have to keep uh, following that story as it uh, develops here. Uh, but let's circle back uh, to uh, the more NHL news, right? Uh, how about this? Um, this year's Vesna Trophy winner uh, was traded. And then uh, he might not even play, right? So Mark Andre uh, uh was traded by Vegas to Chicago uh, for Michael H- uh, Hacker Ryan. Uh This was just uh, this past Tuesday. Uh, it, it sounds like the deal leaked out on social media before uh, the trade call to the National Hockey League Central Offices was actually complete. Uh, and so uh, there was some backlash uh, on Twitter, on Facebook, about uh, you know how this took, you know, how this could happen, right? so a second source for the athletics mark lazarus that flurry uh, does not want to go and play in chicago uh seeing a long time puck stopper uh, isn't interested in moving his family to an unfamiliar city and that's not about uh the black house organization by any means um i know that florida has made public no of that uh when he was uh picked by vegas in the expansion he did want to finish his career there uh i still have yet to see whether or not he will do so but Ah, uh, Flurry's big-time agent, Ellen Walsh, as we all know, uh, it can be quite vocal, especially on social media. Uh, so the 36-year-old still hasn't heard anybody from the Vegas Gold Knights, uh, at least at the time of uh, that. He was informed a little bit later that the trade uh, did actually end up taking place. Uh, but it sounds like now he'll be discussing with his family what he'd like to do and evaluate his hockey future again. And there still hasn't been one uh, any word from the Fleury camp on this. Um, he is still due uh, $7 million next year in the last year of his contract uh, that he signed in Vegas uh, when he was uh, drafted there in 2017.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a – it's just a really odd situation. I mean, there's no really <laughs> – I don't really know how else to put it. It's just a really – quirky, um to, to put it lightly. There are a lot of weird things going on in the NHL, Nick. Um and and well just to cap on that too, we all knew uh Vegas needed to
1: create some cap space, right? And then Alex Martinez, when he signed a, a, a pretty lucrative deal to stay there, you knew something had to give. I don't think Mark Runde was on a lot of people's radars that was going to get moved by Vegas. And uh you know kind of kind of interesting that it's uh it leaked out before uh, he was officially told. Um you know, obviously sometimes in, in media that happens where you have close sources and it, you know, kind of comes out uh, before things become official. So I do kind of feel for both sides of the situation, but uh, you know, i got a feel for Fleury, Uh, you know, definitely. I, I know that uh, he's one of those players that, you know, really became the love of the Vegas organization and, and that fan base. And i uh, you know, I'll kind of have to wait and see what he, what he decides to do. I'd love to see him play. I think he's a, he's a fun goaltender to watch. He's quite the personality too. I think that's just one person that has a television career after their playing careers, Mark Runnegar Flurry. So uh,
0: I, I hope for the best,
1: room, and I, I kind of hope that he suits up for whether it's Chicago or anybody else would love to see him play.
0: Yeah, speaking of Vegas, we've got a final. We've got a, a couple of final quick hits to get to around the National Hockey League and hockey world. Uh, Vegas forward Alex Tuck, he's going to miss six months after shoulder surgery, and Montreal forward Paul Byron is going to return after five months. He had hip surgery last week. Boston Bruins center David Krejci has finally left the organization after 14 seasons to play in the Czech Republic, while three-time Stanley Cup champion defenseman Nicholas Jalmerson has retired after 14 seasons. Krejci in Boston tallied 730 points in 962 career games, all of those with with the Bruins, while Jalmerson spent time in Chicago and Arizona, and he was known pretty much as that hard-nosed shot-blocking defender. I believe he had the second-highest shot blocks per 60 minutes in the league still uh, at Age 35, So kind of impressive there. Uh, lastly, Pittsburgh head coach Mike Sullivan was named as the 2022 U.S. Olympic men's hockey coach for this upcoming Olympics. And the Dallas Stars plan to retire Hall of Famer Sergei Zubob's number 56 this season on January 28th in a game against Washington. With 549 points over 16 NHL seasons, 12 of those with Dallas as a defenseman. In addition to a Stanley Cup in 1999, he joins Neil Broughton, Bill Goldsworthy, Mike Madano, Bill Masterson, and Yari Letnan as the sixth Dallas Star slash Minnesota North Star um, in those organizations to have their number retired.
1: Hey, welcome back
0: into to the
1: den here, folks. Again, uh, Nick Maxon along with Noah Grant. Noah, can you believe it's August first? Right now, it's it's. Uh, I still can't wrap my head around it. Uh, we're about three weeks from the start of the uh, the fall semester here at Saint Cloud, which is. Uh, it's funny how quick things seem to go when you get to this point uh, in the year, right in the calendar. It seems like August is always a quick one. Uh, and for the NHL, you know, being that everything has kind of been delayed, uh, the, the good news has been that there's been plenty of things that we're watching, plenty of uh, uh, things that have happened and some good, maybe some not so good. But uh, at the end of the day, there's been a lot of hockey news talking about here throughout the course of the summer.
0: Yeah, it's been kind of a wild summer, I think, both on and off the ice, if that makes sense, or in the league and out of the league. It's just been a very intriguing time to be covering the game of hockey. There's just a lot that's been going on in the past year and a half, I would say, that uh, I don't know that we'll ever see again. And it's kind of interesting to be a part of it. So it's been, uh, it's going to be a fun ride to the finish here. I- I'm still kind of wondering where Minnesota is sitting right now with their uh, – uh, signing talks if you will with Kevin Fiala and Kirill Caprizov i kind of itching for those to maybe get closer to getting done on the table but there's still some time left but I mean other than that I mean I I really liked Minnesota's moves uh to be honest with you um in free agency I know they weren't the big splashes that some people were hoping for and we're going to get into that in a little bit but I don't know I I thought it was overall um a pretty fun week in the NHL uh, yeah. And, uh, how, you know, how about the
1: Buffalo Sabres? Are so you talking about a team that uh, probably has made headlines for all the wrong reasons? I don't know if folks caught the, uh, the latest 31 thoughts podcast from the uh, Elliot Friedman and John Merrick up at Sportsnet, uh, talking with the neurosurgeon that uh, apparently has been uh, in talks with uh, Jack Eichel to perform the artificial disc replacement surgery, uh, that it's the surgery that has never been performed on an NHL player, but, um, if you listen to the whole interview, it's about 40 minutes. Uh, it, it's an incredibly intellectual interview. It's a lot of great information there. Um, and it sounds like, you know, this is not a new surgery. This, uh, he's performed this procedure about a thousand times. He has performed it um, on hockey players, just no one that's currently in the NHL. And um, he describes the difference between what he would like to perform and you, I don't know if maybe the more common, which is the fusion, the spinal fusion surgery and some of the benefits of the risk between both of them. And I will tell you what, uh, I, I just would suggest folks to listen to that because I think uh, you can form your own opinions, but uh, I, I left very, very uh, intrigued by it. And I actually kind of like the idea of, of Jack get getting the surgery might uh, just for my own opinion, but uh, you know, how, how about, you know what this, how about, uh, uh, the Sabres GM Kevin Adams issuing a statement that, you know, they're going to, you know, he's still a player in a contract. And then uh, very shortly thereafter, the the agents uh, putting out quite the, quite the response uh, uh, to the, the GM's uh, remarks. It, it's been quite, uh, it sounds like that the, there's no hotter seat right now than Kevin Adams in, G, uh, in Buffalo trying to move Jack Eichel. Wouldn't you agree?
0: Well, yeah. And he's, in my list for the extra ice sessions. Let's not get too excited here, Mr. Maxson. Uh, But yeah, yeah. it's it's, it's a situation that it's odd. It's odd from a medical standpoint. You know, like it's one thing to say, why hasn't this player been moved or why X, Y and Z related to business traction transactions in the NHL? You, you don't mess around with people's health. If there's if there's, you know, empirical evidence to say this surgery has been successful in this type of population. This player fits the necessary qualifications. The alternative is not as helpful as what's being proposed here that's just science (laughs) you know and if you have a player that has an interest in their health and wants to be able to make a difference in their lives um the fact that it's almost like in a sense nick it's almost like if you fell off a ladder and broke your back and your business was like no you can't get surgery you can't you you can't go and do that and it's it's odd to me i understand that um in a weird way nhl teams uh, their players are not I don't want to say they're not people, but they're assets. At the end of the day, NHL players are an asset. They are something that sells tickets, puts points on the board, continues the growth of the economy that is the NHL. So uh, it's odd to me that uh, they wouldn't take health more into account when the evidence is there that says that, hey – this surgery has been performed. It's, it's new for an NHL player, but in terms of surgeries, it's not that new. So it's just a very interesting situation. I don't really know how to feel about it.
1: Uh, well, and for, and for those who are always wondering, you know, and this is affecting the trade market, and this might be affecting the Minnesota Wild, you know, signings and plans, right? There, there was a report that the Minnesota Wild did do a full medical evaluation on Jack Eichel. And if, if you listen to the podcast, uh, and for folks at, 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 and know I, I would highly suggest you take a look at it, um, you know, the big thing here is, again, do the Sabres really have control? Yes, they do. So under the amendment to the collective bargaining agreement, which was just last year, uh, the team does get the final say on the direction of uh, medical procedures uh, uh, for their assets, right? And uh, as you mentioned, right, it is it sounds like from what this pot in this podcast does a really good job breaking down uh, some of those talking points that uh, the Buffalo campside has has kind of stuck to. Um, he addresses all of that. So and it sounds like uh, because it's newer and they're kind of sticking to that, whereas uh, the surgeon actually explains actually a lot of benefits to this type of surgery in terms of recovery time, in terms of. Uh, the risk of having to resurgery. The one of the things that he talked about was, you know, when you're doing a fusion, so bones having to, you know, basically heal together. You can't move it. So there's other things that happen. And then for a hockey, which is a contact sport, you need to be able to move your neck.
0: This might, this is a neck disc that we're ha, talking about ha, have you have you ever actually like seen someone like for example with like a lower back fusion and watch them walk it's like it's almost painful to watch them walk and i don't say that offensively it's just when you see the way that the body has to be positioned when you fuse bones together that's you don't go back from that well and on top of that too right the, the lower back the lumbar is, is a it's a load
1: bearing so you know this is a little bit different in terms of you know how it would operate Um, But I will tell you this, um, at the end of it, um, what I I agree with you on this, I I, I understand that there's a, a, the the Sabres have to mitigate risk, right, to their asset, right, and whether it's the the asset that needs to be traded, um, in this case, which she absolutely has to be traded, um, again, I think a lot of teams have backed out, Minnesota included, because they're waiting to see what direction this is going to go. They want to know, they want to see how this player performs. At this point, I would not be shocked if Jack Eichel uh, is still a Buffalo Saber when they get to training camp. Um, uh, it, it's just that kind of way this has been trending. Um, and, uh, you know, I understand Kevin in his position too, where, you know, you got to get the most value for that type of asset. So, Uh, So to me, I would think if I'm in his shoes, there would be an incentive to really do a deep dive into this surgery, which has, again, it's not new. It's been around for a while. Um, It's just not kind of getting into the the sports thing. Um, The surgeon did is He's performed it on MMA fighters. He's performed it on national football league players, on rugby players, players who use their neck quite often. Um, And uh, yeah, I just it's going to be an interesting story to watch because I really do think uh, that it is affecting the wild signings of Caprice of and Fiala because I do think Fiala is a, is a dangle uh, for Jack Eichel. I really do think that. And so we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, before we get into a little bit more of the Minnesota wilds, and Noah, I think we have to touch a blue line uh, fan trivia uh, here for, uh, for this last week because it was uh, kind of an interesting battle. There was a, a pretty close uh, a couple of folks who uh, were, were, were trying to get in there right away, weren't there?
0: Yeah, um, I also wanted to add on the Buffalo Sabres situation. I thought even if Jack Eichel was healthy, I thought their asking price was too high. So put that one in perspective. But nonetheless, our trivia question, as you mentioned, uh, we are in in the smack dab in the middle of season two of trivia. I believe this was week 13 or week 14. I think it's week 13. So uh, the question did read, Alex Goligosky joined the Minnesota Wild on a one-year deal as a steady 30-point defenseman. His NHL success is noted, but what playoff record in the AHL does he still hold since 2007? He has two awards for the same season, the same, the same feat. So uh, name one of those. Nick, did you get a chance to check out um, which award that he has in the AHL? Do you have any idea? <laughs> no, <Not cool>. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. I, I I was kind of going back and I was like, Alex Golgoski was in the AHL for a time. And then I was like, oh yeah, that was a long time ago. Very um, long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Tinner Heath was our winner. He climbs to the top of the leaderboard. Uh, Alex Olagoski tied most points by a rookie in the AHL playoffs and holds the record for most points in a playoff by a defenseman with 28 in oh. 2007-08. Uh, only Jamie Benn and Michael Mersch, at 26 and 22 points have scored more than 20 points in a single rookie playoff, uh, plus Mike Sillinger in 1992. He had 28 as well, so that's where that record is tied, but he He's the outright record holder for most points by a defenseman in an AHL playoff uh, stint. So congratulations to Alex on that award. Congratulations that he turned his AHL career into a really good uh, NHL career, Nick. Uh, and I hear that he's playing for a team kind of close to home. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, you know, this was always going to be an intriguing, um, you know, free agency period for this squad, especially after uh, the two bios as we've discussed in, in previous episodes, and uh especially when carson susie was plucked from expansion and you know it, it kind of it, it was kind of a blessing and, and a curse at the same time right because uh capital was available um seattle decided to build a, a stronger defensive core and hey they got uh, a pretty good goaltender after the expansion draft and philip grubauer after talks with uh between him and colorado somehow went south but um and then Colorado more than made up with it with the addition of Darcy Kemper. Uh, the big question mark with him is, uh, can he stay healthy, right? Because Darcy Kemper has had some injury issues as of the last couple of seasons. So, uh, you know, they came out okay. Uh, Alex Galagoski, again, Dimitri Kulikov, John Merrill, uh, you know, those are some good quality depth defensemen. Uh, the big question to me is the chemistry on those on those on those pairings, right? Is Galagovsky going to be on that first pairing with your Spurgeon? Are they going to move Jonas Burdina? up? And is it going to be Galagoski and uh, uh, Matt Dumba? I would say pretty comfortably that Kulikov and John Merrill are your bottom uh, your bottom two there. Um, but uh, I like the blue line and uh, pretty decent deals. I think um, I know some folks did not like to see on a moving clause on Alex Galagovsky for one year, but. Yeah, the end of this. Here's my thing, you know. Even if the season goes horrendously wrong, um, exactly, and, and I don't think it, I don't think it will. I um, know movement clause isn't going to kill you. Uh, what's going to kill this organization is going to be the, uh, the those cap penalties from uh, Zach and Ryan that come uh, July first as of next year after uh, this coming season. So for one year, uh, at the end of it, you know who knows? And hey. He could possibly waive the no movement clause again, just because you have a no move clause doesn't mean that you know some you can ask him to waive it and he might. So it doesn't mean that it's completely stuck in the ground, right? Um, and, and for uh, for Alex Galagoski, I think he's a he's a great veteran defender uh, that they bring into the lineup, and uh, uh, I like I like the mix, I, I really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's going to be. Uh, I just have to wait and see how this team plays on the ice, honestly, at this point. Uh, But no, I want to get your thoughts on
0: the signings, especially. Uh, We'll start with the back end and then we'll kind of work away towards the forward group. Sure. Yeah. I got to be honest with you, Nick. I know it wasn't the big splash that everyone was hoping for in the Minnesota they have wild space to do it. I also wonder every year what the what the big splash really is supposed to be. Um, but and we've <laughs> seen, besides New Jersey, who I thought got away like bandits in the Dougie Hamilton situation, and um, Tampa Bay with their Braden Point resigning, a lot of big splashes turn into big duds or big problems uh, during free agency, to be honest with you. If your worst contract that came out of free agency is Dmitry Kulikov at $2.25 million. And it's not even that bad, you know, if he plays anywhere close to the way he can play. That's saying something about the moves that you've made. Um, starting on the back end, why don't we start? I mean, you look at the depth chart. I think Alex Golagoski is going to slot right in with Jared Spurgeon there. I think Jonas Brodine and Matt Dumba is a good little second pairing there. I got to be honest with you, Nick, and I'm not saying this just because we have a podcast, you know, on this. I love this signing. I mean, like, I really love the signing of Alex Goligosky. Is it an overpay because they're banking on him being there for the considerable future? Should he play well in like Minnesota and have success? Yes. But when you look at Alex Goligosky's consistency, he's been close to or over a 30-point point producer for the last six full NHL seasons, had 22 points last year. And you just look at what he brings to the game, a smart, smooth, puck-moving defenseman. I I don't know how you don't like this signing, to be honest with you. The only way I can see you not liking the signing is if we needed an extra million or two to make some sort of big trade or something like that for somebody that makes sense in, in that position. But to be honest with you, for a guy who's 35, his point production, his consistency, the way he for lack of a better term treats his body and takes care of his body in that he kind of reminds me of like a bigger stockier Jared Spurgeon where he, he, even though he's a bigger guy, he's not a guy that has a lot of wear and tear and a lot of miles on the body, the way that he plays, he's a smart, smart defenseman. I really like this signing. I mean, he's a Minnesota boy. I know, I know that everyone gets in a tizzy about that, but I mean, this is such a low risk opportunity for a defenseman that can be a stopgap for the Ryan Suter situation. If, you know, right. he's, he's not going to be Ryan Suter. We all know that. But if Ryan Suter puts up fifty points in a season, and Alex Golagoski puts up thirty-seven, how do you complain about that? Really? How do you complain about that at one year? If it doesn't work out, it's one year. For those who do complain about it, um, there are those who uh, who, who want
1: the, who see this squad and they don't see um a cup contender right they don't see uh a team that you know really is a true contender i would say this we have we have no idea what this team is gonna do right there's there's plenty of turnovers we see half of the defense is new um we'll get to the forward group in just a sec uh but uh and that depth signing to frederick goudreau i think is poor like it's so good um yeah. as a third line center because now that opens up a little bit more flexibility in that in that top uh, unit, and uh, I think it opens up the door right for Marco Rossi to earn a spot on the squad. I think he will, uh, and barring that his health is good. But for those who are wondering on the current roster that we have right now, right? For those who want to say you need to draft and develop players, you Noah, know, I want to ask you this: Out of the current Minnesota Wild roster that is signed and NHL bound for this next season, how many of those names?
0: did the Minnesota wild draft and are on the national roster. Oh, did you actually, did did you actually do some numbers here? I did. Look at you. I know. Look at you. I also want to point out, by the way, um, I did read, uh, I I can't remember what website it is, but um, there's a bunch of, uh, there's a bunch of websites. Actually, most of them have Minnesota's pipeline in the top three or four uh, in the national hockey league. So I do want to point that out too, by the way, speaking of pipelines, Um, I got to see, we got one, two, three. Uh, Three, three in the forward group, I think. Plus Matt Boldy and Marco Rossi makes five. Mm-hmm. Um, Are we going? Are we going like Iowa too, or is that no? Are we stopping so, there? Five, so, five in the forward group, I think. So you have. So you've got you've well, got. Let's three, say let's say it this. Let's
1: say because we Marco and Boldy have not earned a spot yet. Okay, so sure. You have, so,
0: so you got three in the forward group. Three in the forward group. And I would say. um, Jared Spurgeon wasn't drafted, was he? No, he, he, was, was, a, he, he was a free agent. Uh, he was so free agent so Jonas agent. Brodine and Matt Dumba, two on the back end. And then Capo Cacken and that six out of 23, right? So here's why I point that out. There are folks
1: who think that you need to have this pipeline of folks coming in or whatnot. Um, it doesn't happen this way in the NHL. Yep. It just doesn't. Um, for those who, and, and granted, those pipeline um, rankings, I'll be honest with you, they're, they're bullshit. Let's be honest. They're bullshit. Um, and here's why I say that they look at paper, right? You can always look at, it at a, a player's skill, uh, what they maybe project to keyword maybe, right? A, there's a reason why Jack Eichel is worth at least a couple of first round picks and probably a player that's going to be a first rounder. Right. And probably even more, right. He's because why is that right? People, for those who really want to go on this draft and develop, Crazy mindset, right? Jack michael was a proven NHL player. Your your, your draft pipeline is 100 percent improving. And so it's it's one of those deals where you're paying knowing what you're getting. Whereas I, I hate to say it, but even sometimes first-round picks, aka um Dimitri, or not Dimitri, what the heck? I'm thinking of uh uh 2017. No, 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 2015. Neil Yakupov. Yeah, Edmonton's
0: stupid. Anyway, yeah. so... Um, but 20, when I'm, 2013, I think.
1: But but Minnesota's had some bad luck in, in draft, too. How about James Shepard? How about Benoit Pouliot? How about Tyler Kuma? Yeah. Uh, all first-rounders, right? And they were highly touted, and Tyler Kuma, I think, played a couple of games total. Uh, mind you, we had a, a knee a knee issue, but he never really came out to be who we thought were. James Shepard was supposed to be, uh, you know, one of the next big-time centers, and he was a complete and total dud. And Benoit Puglia, Yeah. Uh, was a guy that I believe
0: was in the top ten. I think he was sixth overall, if I remember correctly. You know, doesn't it bring up an interesting point though in this regard? Because I know you mentioned Jack Eichel in the Buffalo Sabers. I think that the essentially the package that we've heard is essentially two NHL players and two first-round picks, or you know, pros, high-end prospects. Here's the deal: if let's say you have let's say you have Marco Rossi, Matt Boldy. Um, joel erickson act and two first rounders going to the buffalo savers besides joel erickson act being a known commodity commodity marco rossi matt Boldy, and those two first rounders could not play more than 50 games in the nhl like that is totally totally possible because drafting and pipelines are such a crap shoot in that regard and i think you're right i wanted to ask you this um nick if i can flip it back on you because we're looking at the depth chart Let's say Kirill Kaprizov and Kevin Fiala both get signed. That leaves one open spot, as we can see, in the forward group for the the opening night on ice roster, if you will. Everyone's saying Marco Rossi's the guy. How about Matt Boldy? Do you think Matt Boldy has a legitimate chance to be a player that jumps into this lineup given his success uh, at the AHL level with Iowa last year? Well, I, and actually, I'll flip
1: it on you. I think if they both make it, because you got to remember, there's healthy scratches too. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, that's I what think we are. You're right. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, you know, that puts some pressure. Guys like maybe Nicole Stern puts pressure on maybe Victor Rask. Again, I thought Rask. Again, we talked about it. I think he played very, very well in a position where he was with some great guys. Now, you can have that argument. I think it's true that is he to the level of where he should be on that top line? No, it, it was more uh, of a what do you call it? it was, it's more of an indictment of the center depth of the squad. Uh, but I, there's some, uh, there's some players there that could see, uh, you know, I, you could say the press box more often than not. So I, I, I think those two could, and they do have a legitimate chance of making it. Um, you can't uh, rule out Brandon do hunting without that's ripped, uh really, really good. Um, Cottrell, Back, Adam Backman. Um, so you have guys that are serviceable, right? And that's, I think that's what you want. Um, the question is going to be is, you know, for, for Matt Bowley, I think he proved that he's a, he's a, obviously a good player in the AHL. So, um, you know, question is, you know, if he stays there, you know, can he develop um, more um, for Marco Rossi, you know, what's his game speed? Like we talked about this before. Uh, we know the, we know the skill, we know the, uh, uh, the body is going to be hopefully okay. The question is, you know, how, what where is his hockey IQ speed at? And uh, I think we'll know pretty soon thereafter, Um I think yeah. honestly, for for developing young players too, right? Um, you want to give them minutes. They these if you bring these guys up, they've got to play. Uh, you can't have them sit in the press box; they don't learn anything. And there's one thing that kind of drove a lot of wild fans nuts, myself included, is in, in certain areas such as Doug Riceville, maybe a little bit Chuck Fletcher, was you'd have some decent players in your in your system, but they wouldn't be able to play because they put them uh, up in the Raptors and say, "Hey, watch that." Does you don't learn anything that way. So, for me you're bringing both up, obviously, as Bill Guerin said, he wants them to earn their spot to think they will, uh, but maybe start them on the fourth line, you know, just get uncomfortable. Uh, you know, I wouldn't rush them up to uh, first and second line minutes right away, but make them earn it. Um, I think they will, but you know, again, they have to have t- a consistent playing time. If you're not going to give them that in the big team, send them into Iowa, you know, give them big minutes, make sure that they learn and then maybe they get recalled. So, and that's the thing about young players, right? You know, it's a huge jump we for often forget the jump for the minors. To the NFL is so big the speed the decision making everything is so much better at that level um it, it's sometimes a culture shock and uh yeah. you know I hope that these players do get an opportunity and prove it that they can play uh but again we don't know and that's the big key
0: so for folks again you're looking at our blue line going back to that real quick yeah i wanted to ask you about that i mean you look at john merrill which i love it's a, it's kind of a low-key you know depth signing if you will i the, the question mark is does john merrill at some point end up in the press box and does kalen addison get his shot what do you do with kalen addison who is now the seventh man looking in technically on this roster and a guy that i think has a lot of upside but you got to develop him appropriately I think that's going to be something you value in training camp. Right. And that's, you know, I, I would think that
1: John Merrill, even maybe to you, Kulikov, you know, they know their roles coming in. They know they're going to be, you know, those bottom two. And, you know, I would think that there's a conversation that, you know, say, Hey, you know, you're going to play some minutes for me. Um, We have a young guy that, you know, we also need to get maybe some playing time as well and develop, you know, he's got to earn it too, but you know, there may be some switching off and forth to me for Kalen. I think you put him in the AHL, Honestly, I think you. I think he's a guy that I think does have a lot of the skills A, B, and C, and D. But again, you got to part of the development process is how you connect all of them to create a one total package, right? And you do that by playing big minutes. And I think he had some really good uh, time in the AHL. And I think, hey, why not? I think it wouldn't be the worst thing to start him there. And if he elevates, and go from there, right? You'll give him something to kind of look forward to, and just explain, hey, man, you know, you did well for us. You know, we want you to start down here. Uh, we think it'll be good for you because you're going to get more minutes and play. And, you know, what we'll, we, we need a defenseman because, you know, injuries happen too, right? Uh, no. he, he'll, without a doubt, be the first call-up. Uh, that's what I would do. Start him in the AHL, let him get big minutes in, and let him come up and fight for that uh, for a defensive spot. But it does leave, you know, a hole there for an extra defenseman because you want to have somebody uh, up in the rafters just in case. So uh, we'll see. You know, we, we just never know
0: yeah it'll it'll be interesting we got about five minutes left before our extra ice session here uh nick can we talk about frederick goudreau i mean you look at you look at his underlying numbers Uh, for those who don't don't know frederick goudreau really started and kind of got his claim to fame in the national predator system during that 2017 cup run scoring three goals in that cup final as a rookie essentially um and and making some big plays there and then ended up getting shipped uh, out to pittsburgh and had some pretty good uh underlying numbers i know that the points don't exactly pop off the score sheet but I mean, at two years, one point two million dollars average annual value. What are the Minnesota Wild getting in Freddie Goudreau? And I think you and I both agree that we're pretty happy about this one. Yeah, they're getting tireless energy from Freddie Goudreau. Um, you know, he's a guy
1: that uh, he kind of leads with his body. Uh, he's a guy that can skate really well. He's a smart player. Uh, certainly not the most offensively gifted player, uh, but he's the energy guy. He's a guy that also he's a center. You know, it's, it's players that we don't have yet. Oh, so, is that important? Uh, a little bit. So, <laughs> our, you know, so, yeah. And I think, you know, I haven't looked at his face-off numbers. I'd be curious to see what that would be. Uh, but again, you know, he's a good on the forecheck. He's good at puck possession. Uh, he gets in front of the net and he, and he plants there, too. So he's a guy that's going to cause some hell in front of the opposing crease. Not afraid to get in that blue paint uh, and look for rebounds, look for loose pucks. Um, he, he's, he's, like, he's just a mover guy. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was often guys that he's, like you said, he's only getting paid $1.2 million uh, to be this role. But he's a very important role for this team. As we know, watching the, the Stanley Cup playoffs, oftentimes it's that bottom six that puts you over the hump uh, to get you later into the rounds. And there's no question the Minnesota Wild's top six, as long as Fiala and free Software both signed, they, I think they look pretty good. Uh, but that bottom six, you know, we had uh, what was it, the Greenway, Felino, and uh, was it, uh, who am I missing on that line? Was it Eric yeah, yeah, Eric, it's Sinek Eric Sinek on that Sinek, line. yeah. Yeah, that, that's a health line. Um, That might end up being kind of a pseudo second slash third line, but if you can put uh, Freddie Goudreau in with some other of those guys, like Nick Bukestad or, yeah, oh, geez, would know, even Nico Sturm be in there or Ryan yeah. Hartman? You know, who knows? You know, there, there's a lot of, you know, flexibility in this roster. This roster is looking pretty good up uh, up and down the whole way through on the four groups. So, um, and Freddie Goudreau is going to be a big piece of that. Again, if you can find a center – That is more of a true center. You know, I know Ryan Hartman, they place that center. I don't think he's a true centerman and where he, I think he feels best, but a guy that's a natural center is going to really help solidify that spot and allow some of those guys like uh, Ryan Hartman and maybe even Nico Stern to be in their more natural spot and be able to excel where I think they should be on the ice and not where, you know, they can play, but maybe not excel.
0: Yeah. I wanted to uh, point out here, uh, when you look at Freddie Goudreau, uh, 162 faceoffs, 87 wins, 53.7% uh, for him last That's year. Fantastic. So yeah. And 48% the year before and 49.6 the year before that. So, I mean, you, you look at a player that I, uh, when you're, when you're a bottom six guy, okay. You are not expected to be a contributor, maybe a little more if you're a third line guy, but you're not expected to be you know a goal scorer guy that's going to pop 20 points if you can add that if you can add that depth that's important but ultimately when you're playing bottom six minutes your goal is to be even or better that's what it is Is essentially you keep the other team off the scoreboard you control possession you control play um and you try to move the play forward out of your own zone i know that sounds like a simple thing but when you look at um kind of high flying you know first or second line type things their goal is kind of high risk high reward sometimes and you're hoping to balance that out with a center that can play both directions um, and is able to kind of alleviate the chance taking that might happen with your wingers who are a little bit more skilled. When you have a centerman who's in your bottom six, that's pushing those numbers at 53, 54%. He's a good penalty killer. He's someone you can put in a lot of defensive situations. That's important. It's a, it almost, it's almost like he's a poor man's Joel Erickson Eck if you will, without the scoring touch that Eriksenek had this year. Um, I think it's a great pickup for Minnesota. And again, at $1.2 million a season for two years, low risk, high reward. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And, you know, we talk about, you know, the reason why I bring up the faceoff number is, you know, again, let's go back to St. Cloud, Will Hammer uh, being the mm-hmm. fourth line guy. But you, we saw him in very, very important faceoff situations because, again, uh, if he, you know, he would always contest for a puck, he may not have always want a clean But sometimes too, as a centerman, right, when you're taking a draw, sometimes if you just can try to tie up the man, tie up the puck, and allow your runners to come in and scoop in and maybe you know get possession too. That's big. And and is not a again. He's a he's a guy that's got grit to him. He's a guy that's you know he's not shy away from the physical side of the game and. You know, again, fifty-three percent the face-off dot. You know, you always, especially in the bottom six, you want to be at fifty percent or higher. Fifty-three uh, last season—that's a solid number. And you, There's no question that Bill Guerin was looking at that number, going, "Man, because um, there was one area that our centermen were not very good last year for the while, wasn't the face-off
0: dot." Yeah, no question it was, about it's it, pretty so. much Nick Benino. Um, we're at forty minutes, Nick, but I do have one final question for you, um, and I want I want to see if you can explain this for the folks out there. Um, the Brandon, <laughs> <laughs> the Brandon Mental situation. Uh, you know, yep. him wanting a one way deal, not getting that deal. He's played five career NHL games um, and he essentially gets shipped for a conditional seventh round pick that becomes a seventh rounder only at Brennan Mendel, plays 30 games for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, what were your thoughts on that situation? Cause I know Minnesota would have loved to have him. He's a great player. I had a really good AHL campaign, really good KHL campaign, obviously hasn't played more than a cup of coffee in the NHL. Um, a lot of fans are disgruntled by this one. What's your take?
1: Uh, a couple of things. Um, first of all, the trade is a culmination of things that were trending that way, right? Uh, when you go to the KHL and you refuse to sign as an RFA, that already tells you there was something to me that there was some sour relationship uh, between the two, right? Now, whether that was simply due to the fact that it was a one-way relationship uh, or a one-way contract, I, I I have a hard time thinking that's the only thing that's out there. Uh, but listen, uh, you when a player... Who's has only played five NHL games and it's never been consistent is demanding a one-way deal. You get rid of him. I hate to say it. Um, and the funny thing is if you look at the conditional pick, it's saying, Hey, he, we want, didn't want to give a one-way contract, but if you do, and he plays 30 games, okay, we'll take a seven. So they're basically saying, Oh, here, here's this guy. Oh, by the way, you know, if you actually gave him what we didn't want to give him, because what the heck, too high a risk. Uh, then here you go. Mind you, when you're on a one-way deal especially with the service that he has um he's going to need waivers right to send him down to the minors if you know if he doesn't perform well which means he'll be picked up for basically next to nothing well sorry nothing um so it just seemed like that there was a fit issue with minnesota to me
0: um and can, yeah I, can, can you also explain to people um Who gets one way deals usually? Why are, what, what, I mean, what is the difference between a one way deal and a two way deal? I know you and I know this, but um, what is the difference for people out there? And um, who do you give one way deals to versus two way deals? Uh, One way deals uh, as a guy that's an
1: NHL player, and that's it. That is it. Two way players are, or two way deals, I should say, are for players that are in their development who you want to be able to have team control over to be able to send them up and down to the minors uh, if you need to recall him. If you feel like uh at the end of the day that, you know, they're good enough to be that call up and may, maybe stick around um, and can, maybe can earn a spot. So entry-level deals, a lot of times are waivers exempt. Um So, but for two-way deals, that's, that's the, the way you create, right? It's the ability to have flexibility in your roster, uh, but you're not giving a guy like Jewel Arisenak a two-way deal because he's never going to go down to the minors. Right. So uh, at the end of it, that's, a very surface level explanation of that. And again, you have to earn your one way deal. Right. And again, I, going back to Brendan Miller, just a quick thought with him, if the organization didn't feel like he was part of their plans and obviously not, you know, they had three, de- you know, depth signings. Um, obviously they feel like for a kid who uh, was in the minors and went over the KHL, which is a much different league with a much different <clears throat> emphasis on defense, excuse me, <laughs> pretty much no defense in that league. Um, it, it is an adjustment, right? So, yep. yeah, he may be this dynamic scorer in the KHL. But again, NHL coaches here in this league, they want to see a guy that, yeah, if you can keep those offensive numbers, great. But you also got to be able to take care of your back end. And that's kind of been the big question mark for Brendan Manel is, you know, does he have that skill set? Um, he's going to have to prove that what's for Ronald if he wants to earn a spot. Um, And that's why in Minnesota, you know, if he was going to put the flag in the stand, uh, Minnesota said, you know what? That's not how we're going to do this. Well, well, maybe shift shifting to a team that might um, for a low risk acquisition. Um, and that's what it was. So uh, again, it, it's, it sucks for both sides. Um, but to me, again, I think that this issue really started more than a year ago and this is more the culmination of that.
0: Yeah. The other piece too is uh, I mean, not to, not to take anything away from Brennan, but uh, I mean, I think Kalen Addison at this point might be the more complete NHL ready player just because of how much he's played. I know the KHL is a good translation, but you mentioned defensively. I thought Kalen Addison, especially as he moved into the playoffs, got better and better defensively for someone who's supposed to be essentially a power play quarterback, if you will, um, in the near future. So, um, Nick, I got nothing else to add. Uh, You got anything else? Uh, No, let's uh, get into the extra ice. (laughs) Yeah, might as well. We're going to be talking about uh, some winners and losers uh, during free agency and trades in the offseason for the NHL. Let's uh, welcome into the Extra Rice here again,
1: uh, here on this Sunday uh, morning here, August 4th. Again, Noah uh, Brand, I'm Nick Maxim. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, each of our two teams that we thought were the biggest winners since the free agency and the trade uh, uh, kind of opened up and the two biggest losers. Uh, so uh, Noah, I want to start with you. Uh, let's start with the losers because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, first of all, I'm one. So I'd like to hear, you know, uh, what, uh, you know, what other teams might be on my level, but no, I'm totally kidding. Uh, You know, there were, there was some, there was some head scratchers out there. Um, There's no question about it. I'm kind of curious to see who you thought between free agency and for some of the trades that happened, which two teams you felt like uh, maybe didn't necessarily improve their position maybe put themselves in a worse position
0: yeah well the number one one on my list that i'm gonna i'm gonna move past them and add an extra one um i did the same thing i did the same thing with the winners because you know how that's how we work right we say two and we actually list 10 so um but we already talked about that the buffalo sabers what the hell is going on in buffalo (laughs) i don't know what's i don't know what's going on um buffalo tops this list by a mile just because not only with the jack eichel situation um just the fact that, I mean, you got of Rista line, although I think Robert Hag is a really good return in that regard. Um, Sam Reinhardt, that's a tough loss. I know you get a good goaltending prospect, but Sam Reinhard, um, you know, what a great pickup by Florida. They might be in the other half of this list. Um, but, you know, I just don't know what's going on in Buffalo. I mean, I know what's going on in Buffalo. It's a rebuild that's not very good at rebuilding, but it's just painful. <laughs> it's painful. You know, it, painful. Like I thought, I thought the Ottawa Senators were going to be – the new team a couple of years ago that we're going to fall into this despair and the Ottawa Senators are looking miles good. better than they're buffalo. looking really good that's how um, you do a rebuild solely but surely right. that's how you do one uh and you know and so
1: just to add on that buffalo was one of my uh teams that I thought were on the bottom end you know of, of the of the list and only more so because uh also they lose all mark too they lose you know their starting goaltender um yeah. you know and so uh, at the end of it, it's a necessary clean-out. And to me, it's they're a loser for a different way. Um, they're a loser because they created an environment that nobody wanted to be in. And that, to me, you know, the players that were traded out, Sam Reinhardt, it's a like, good player. Uh, he's a player that was on Minnesota's radar. Um, again, Lance Allmark, uh, you know, hard to really judge him just yet. I think he's got the skill set um, and the talent. I think, again, just... Whatever is in the water in Buffalo, um, it has to be done. And honestly, uh, to me, this process should have started for Buffalo two years ago. Honestly, Um, there have been some very, very poor upper management decisions with coaching in regards to uh, general managers. I mean, oh, goodness gracious. Um, But I want to touch on Ottawa just briefly because uh, Ottawa drives me nuts as a Minnesota Wild fan. And here's why people look at Ottawa and the job that they're doing. And they also look at what Tampa Bay did uh, starting five, six years ago. I would even argue seven, eight years ago. And people look at this completely explode model and say, hey, that's what we got to do because look at them now. Uh, No. The answer is no. How do I know that? I've talked to the goddamn owner of the Minnesota Wild. Craig Leopold, it's been widely reported. For those who keep on hanging on to the sticks that blow this mother. You know team up. It ain't going to happen. This owner in this hockey market is not going to accept the deep
0: rebuild that you want. So get over it. It's just not in the car. And it's all, and it's also hard. You have to have young guys that are willing to prop up in the pipeline and have some stability, which they don't grow on trees. They don't just show up. No, and again, we talked about
1: you know in the uh, in the normal part of the show, there's, it's still a crapshoot, right? And mm-hmm. you know when you draft, you know you have to hit on almost every single draft pick, especially in the first two rounds of the, each draft, right? And at the end of it, we just talked about it too of the Minnesota Wild's twenty-three man roster, only six were players that they drafted and are now developed and now signed on the NHL roster. It is completely a different story in today's NHL versus before. Um, so. Yeah, uh, Buffalo to me—they've—they've—they've they've, they've delayed this process for too long, and to me, it's more of an—I hate to say the phrase—but it's more of an ethnic cleansing, right? As Kevin Adams almost put it. Whereas you're almost giving these players away because they've already made it very clear that they do not want to be with the organization. It has nothing to do with them playing hockey, which is sad, right? You know, you're supposed to bring in guys that you know can you know can put the best team out there to give you the best chance to go out and win a cup, and you know. I hate to say it, but he's got quite a big roster total over red stake. So we have Buffalo. Uh, I want to get your second take uh, on the loser side of this. Uh, what other team, And because uh, I want to keep this a little bit short, I went over for the normal session. Uh, then the, the second team you felt like was the biggest loser here coming so far out of the trade and free agency uh, periods.
0: Yeah. Carolina. What's going on in Carolina there? Is that's you Carolina had, too. Yeah, Jesus. you had that. Yeah, what, what is going on there? I mean, the Freddie Anderson, oh. the Freddie Anderson signing is okay, but the Freddie Anderson sh- signing should have never happened. Um, yeah, because Nedeljkovic should have never been traded. The Jonathan Bernier pretty much gave him away for nothing. He wasn't even back there. The Tony D'Angelo situation. I mean, oh, I, had, I mean, that's. Uh, I know we talked about okay. Lloyd, my, my, you last week, but you want to talk about someone who has some real character issues. there. great hockey defenseman, but uh, kind of along the similar vein of that, where there's a, there's a serious question mark as to the character and a proven serious question mark as to the character of what the heck is going on. Andy Ranta, I'm okay with that one. i um, Ian Cole. Love him. Great signing for them. Josh Levo is kind of a meh in between deal. Um, the trades. I, I don't. I, I'm not really understanding where Carolina is going here. The one, the one besides um, besides Nadelkovich that um, I was kind of curious about. Uh, Warren Fogel is a great proven um, NHL forward. Ethan Bear is an okay pickup, but I think Warren Fogel is the better of the two players right now. Giving that's Jake a great Be- pickup by Edmonton. Great yeah, pickup. <laughs> yeah. And that's actually probably one of the few reasons why they weren't on this list too. But um, uh, the last one, Jake Bean just giving Jake Bean away for nothing. And I understand, you know, he might project only as a bottom two pairing guy, and maybe they thought his ceiling wasn't going to be very high, but they pretty much gave him to Columbus for nothing. And Columbus said, we'll take that and sign him to, I think it was a three-year deal. Uh, I don't know. The hurricanes were that step closer to being a Stanley cup contender. And it's kind of imploded on them a little bit here.
1: I, you know, the, the, the situation alone to me warrants them to be as a loser for me yeah um especially considering what detroit ended up signing him for um was for three million bucks over two seasons so six million total that's how old ch- how, how old's freddie
0: anderson by the way he's up there isn't he like 35 i was gonna say but you Jeez, gave he's up there but um, you gave a lot of money to a goaltender like that not that freddie freddie anderson's a great goaltender but i'm just saying
1: but you an you know, enough and coming you know uh, sorry 31 um actually around a 32 but for Elston Nadelkovich, who was a Calder Trophy finalist, right? Yeah. Um, and what doesn't what I'll say this: what really bothers me was the response um, uh, by the Hurricanes, which is, "Well, we're in win now mode, not win later mode." You have a goaltender that's that stole you games in the playoffs. Absolutely, he stole games for you. I just don't understand the the, the thought process there. And again, for Adelkovich, uh, you know, <laughs> three million bucks the rumor is they were offered in 1.5 and that was it. Um, which is, I, I don't know how you get away with that. Um, but, uh, you know, um, he gets, he gets 3 million bucks uh, for two years up in Detroit. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, obviously good for Nadelkovic. And uh, for the first time in probably five or six years, uh, uh, Noah, uh, Detroit Has got a decent goaltender uh, that can actually help him win. So uh, good for Stevie White to pick him up and to to make what was it's going to look like a steal again. The Delk—it's only 25 years of age. Uh, coming off a really good, solid rookie campaign. He's a proven starter now, um, and he's going to be, uh, I think, a really good uh, addition to the rookie.
0: And, and, and who knows? I mean, w- with that, um, I don't know if I would say proven starter, but again, I mean, he he could dip next year. I mean, we see good goaltenders dip all the time. Look at the Brayden Holpe situation. Braden Holpe was was great, got that big contract and has been not great since Um Nick, I, I kind of wanted to get – I know that we were both uh, kind of on par with those two teams. My honorable mention, I think, for the losers before we flip to the winners here, I had the Vancouver Canucks in here as well too. Oh, um, boy. And, yep. and, and the, the moves oh. the moves that they made were not – I mean, they're not like egregious, but the Nate Schmidt moving, Um, I actually don't mind that. I think Nate Schmidt, ha- his numbers suggest that – it could be a bad thing for Winnipeg if he continues to trend in that direction. But if he returns, I think it was a bad fit. In if, if he returns to form like he was in Vegas, um, great pickup by Winnipeg. So Winnipeg could go either way there. I like Connor Garland coming back. I think he's a great hockey player, but they literally traded, I know it's Louis Harrison, but they literally traded an entire line of forwards for Oliver Ekman Larson, who, even though he's been playing on some really shit Arizona teams, his numbers still aren't that great for a guy who makes seven and a half million dollars a year and a first yes. rounder to boot Oof. here. Well, here's the bigger, the bigger tire for Canucks fans, right? We'll keep, I'll keep this short. Um, the
1: three contracts, was it Roussel, uh, Louis Erickson, and I forget who else went down there. Jay Beagle. Uh, Jay Beagle. Thank you. Yep. All of those players had expiring contracts after this next season, right? So, and a lot of money was going to come off of books next season for Vancouver. So uh, I think, what I was feeling with bank, like Vancouver fan base, which was, uh, yeah, this is this is one more year is going to be, uh, but all this, you know, after next year, because mind you, they still got to sign, they still have to sign, have to sign uh, 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 Quinn Hughes and they're going to get paid. Um, and so you're looking to go, Oh, we can afford these two players. Now with the cap hit, um, for Olive, Oliver Ekman Larson, which I believe is over eight million a season, if I if I recall. Let's take a look. Um, yeah, that is uh, that's going to you know, uh, stifle them a little bit coming, uh, you know, down the pipeline for the next several years. So uh, you, you trade
0: one year of cap hill to six or seven more years of cap hill. So uh, you've got I mean, you've got Oliver Ekman Larson at eight point two five million through yep, through, the, sp- through the spring of twenty twenty seven. Yikes.
1: Oh man, that's that I can't believe he did that. Anyway, so we'll keep as our honorable mention. We have no idea what uh what Jim Benny sometimes you just want to hide GMs in their basement They'd be like, don't touch your phone. Um but I say Ken Holland. Anyway, yeah, right. <laughs> um, but how about the two teams Noah that you picked that you thought um have worked pretty good or maybe improved the most since the uh the creation C opening as well as the trade uh market
0: opening. Well, in Husky's Warming House podcast tradition, I have three. Um, so, two. Okay, well, well, top two. In your top two. Okay. Um, we're doing great on time. Don't worry. We're only at 55 minutes. Anyway, um, unless we're at like 57, I can't do math. I have a timer and I'm doing my best. But uh, anyway, Detroit. I thought Detroit. It, great pickup for them. The Nedeljkovic situation. How about this one, too? Uh, I like to pick up a Nick Letty for Richard Ponick. Uh, that's not a bad little pickup, pick up. too. Mm. Um, good little moves in free agency, picking up Pius Suter, I think is a great, great, pickup. great potential pickup there. Um, I'm trying to think of who else they, they picked up. They had one other guy that I had on my list um, that was a free agent signing, um, if I can pull it up here. But I, but I think Detroit is finally that group that – they're not Ottawa Senators level status where they've got that pipeline to kind of go with it right now, but Stevie Eiserman's doing Stevie Eiserman things. Um, I'm going to see if I can figure out the, the other player that, um, that I was thinking of um, in free agency that they picked up that I thought was a, um, a good little pickup there. So uh, you, did you have Detroit on your list as well? I did have Detroit. And then since I'm here, my second best team, the Los Angeles Kings, yeah. man, I,
1: I yeah. thought they looked really, really good. Um, first of all, getting uh, Philip to know um as a center, 20 year old center in his prime. Um you're getting a very low risk too with the Nashville Predators. Uh, uh Victor Arvidsson, uh, really good pickup for them. Um signing and Andreas Antonio. Oh, then in the back end, getting Amad and Alex Edler. Uh yeah, some journeymen there uh with the team. And uh, maybe some some bottom six type, but I think LA looks really really good right now. And that's not even mentioning too that you know you got guys that are in the pipeline such as Alex Outsturkod and uh Quentin Byfield, who that might make pushes for the team this year. That uh, Los Angeles could be quite the team this year. Um, and I think that the some of these reagent signings and trades. I thought uh, Rob Blake has done an excellent job this offseason. I think the, the Kings look pretty well stacked into this next season.
0: Yeah. Oh, I, w- I was really liking the re-signing, by the way, for Detroit of Tyler Bertuzzi. And then uh, Jordan Osterley is a nice little pickup, too. I really like L.A. system. They were they were fourth on my list. I was in between on this one. Uh, I had the Florida Panthers in here. Sneaky, sneaky, good little trade deadline there. I think the acquisition of Sam Reinhardt uh, is pretty good. You're getting that NHL player Anton Stroman. Adding him into the mix, uh, or, or moving him, I should say, uh, to You're Arizona today, yeah. there, and kind of alleviating some of that cap hit and some really good uh, pickups there. I know that Florida wasn't the splashiest team, but they're a team that you don't mess around with anymore. They might vie for that, you know, third spot be- behind Toronto and Boston, kind of out there. I believe it is it the is it the Atlantic Division is where they're sitting at. I believe no. it is the Atlantic Division. Uh, yes, Atlantic. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So I, I mean, that's just. I I thought that they were a sneaky good pick the other the other team that I had uh, hits a little closer to home um, just because I thought they upgraded the one spot that they needed to be at I thought the Winnipeg Jets had a decent little uh, decent little um, uh, free agency period if Nate Schmidt pans out that Brendan Dillon pickup I thought was all right Um, and they really filled out a couple of defensemen and a single pairing there that was really kind of lacking for a group that they're bringing Paul Stastny back. Their forward group is all right. They're starting to kind of be on the up and up. Um, Winnipeg's a team that is kind of in that in-between too. They kind of remind me of Carolina as well, where it's like one bad move or one really great move can really change the complexion of whether they get over the hump. I think they've got a great goaltender in Connor Hellebuck. The Canes had a great goaltender, gave him away. Um, and that was their decision that kind of, you know, has pushed them to a different, different place there. But um, Winnipeg is a piece that, um, I think we're going to see a pretty good battle between them and Minnesota for years to come. I would, I would agree. And uh, you know, I also honorable question for me since you had
1: one, how about Seattle? Uh, oh yeah. Two. I had them on my list too. I, how about yeah. Seattle? Uh, just some of the, the, the post. So first of all, you, you know, you, uh, you acquire uh Vitek Vanacek from
0: Washington. And then after he'll grow up, you train him right back to Matt. You, you know, uh, and and, <laughs> and, 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 pe- and people had said that, I don't know if you read, there was an article in the score that said it highlights Seattle's mismanagement that Vanichek went back to Washington. No Vitek Vanacek was, was the bailout option. If they couldn't get a goaltender like Grubauer. So. Right, exactly, and you know, the, I think with uh, uh, Vanacek uh, and of course
1: uh, Chris Drieger. Uh that was that's a solid one-two punch. But obviously, Philip Grubauer, backstopping mm-hmm. the Colorado Avalanche, he's proven that he's a a pretty solid goaltender himself. So he's only twenty-nine years old, so he's in the front of his career. A uh, pretty good cap hit too, uh, five point nine million for the next uh, seven seasons, if I recall. So. Uh, pretty decent goaltending signing there too. So we have. I want to say it was five. I could be wrong though. No, it's five point nine. I have right up. Um, so Chris uh, Chris Drieger, uh, again, three and a half million. Uh, so at the end of it, uh, you know, a good pickup. So it was a six-year deal. Excuse me, five point nine total uh, total cap uh, yeah. total value of the contract thirty-five point four million. So um, at the end of it, uh, I think so a couple of those tweaks again. Um, again, Jaden Schwartz, Alexander Wenberg, some some good top six talent there. Um, and I don't think Seattle's done. But, uh, uh, again, they're not looking terrible, especially in the Pacific Division. Yeah. That might be a little bit weaker this year. Um, so they might be okay. They might be okay. I don't think they're as solid as maybe Vegas was uh, heading into the season. But, again, you you know, this team, this team hasn't even taken the ice yet. So uh, well, we'll see you know i i first of all love the jerseys Absolutely yeah. love the seattle jerseys and it's <laughs> i i would love to see um that seattle and vancouver rivalry see how that sparks i think that's going to be one hell of a rivalry across the, the bay there
0: uh, up in the pacific Oc- Northwest. So october, i think that's be great october 23rd that's their opener against the vancouver canucks um i had one final question for you about free agency nick um, yeah. speaking of grubauer as well um does Colorado um, get better or worse with uh, the signing of Darcy Kemper and that now? Uh, it's about the same
1: to me. The, the big question is, is his health, right? Um, I think Darcy Kemper is a great goaltender. Um, he's proved that in Arizona. But the one thing he also proves he's been injury prone. So the one thing that, you know, really is the question mark is if he's healthy, he's he's a great goaltender. I think he's on par with Philip Gerbauer. I really do think he is. Um, but at the end of the day, you know they only got him to a one-year, three and a half million-dollar contract for that reason. Um, that is, he's been injury-prone, so uh, we'll we'll see what happens. I, I think he's a, a playoff-caliber goaltender. Um, it's amazing that you talk about a guy that the Minnesota Wild developed and then traded away because they didn't want to pay him money. Uh, there you go. And yes, I'm talking to somebody familiar, and yes, I will be waiting in my DMs for that response. So um, at the at the end of it, seriously though, I, I think Colorado makes that okay. Um, to meet uh, Pavel Fransos, uh, to make sure that they had a capable backup was more important than maybe your starter. Um, because, uh, again, for, for Grubauer, uh, one of the things that uh, I thought he did really, really well was uh, he stole some games. Uh, Darcy Kemper really stole the games. But I also felt like sometimes you need to give your goaltender a break, especially down the stretch. Um, and, the, you know, they traded for Devin Jude and Colorado, and they never used him, like, once. I think they used him as, like, the last regular season game, but that was all they used him for. Um, so, it kind of tells you a little bit of what they felt about Devin Dudenick, who I believe still is without a contract um, and still a free agent on the goalie market. So, I think Colorado's fine. Um, I think the bigger uh, de- devastation for Colorado was the Naz and situation, honestly. Um, yes. So, we'll we'll see. Uh, but now that they've re signed the captain, Gabe Landestog, uh, now the clock is on Colorado yeah, to figure out what they can do with Nathan McKinney because he took. A very team friendly bridge um, uh, contract. And he's not going to have, uh, he's going to be 27 years old by the time he signs his big boy deal. He's going to be worth more of $10 million. I think even closer to 12 in my opinion. Straight you know, up. Boy. Blow it up.
0: Blow it blow up. Blow it up, right? <laughs> yeah, man, blow it up. So
1: <laughs> you, you need to draft more players. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking um, of which, just to prove a point, uh, yeah. on Colorado's roster, one, two, now much of this current NHL roster, one, two, three, four, five and that is it it's five yeah. players that they have drafted developed
0: in the Angel roster so yeah huh. i will say i, I want to add this little piece too and i totally agree can we add Jared Spurgeon into the mix of players drafted and developed just because of the fact that he wasn't drafted but he was developed does that make sense so i uh, I, think, I think i okay i think there should be i think we should think no, about this for next time no. players like players like okay just hold on here players like him and I'm nico stern play i know i'm saying no too just let me finish my comment players like nico Sturm and jared spurgeon who are in that next class of hey you were signed and developed can we have one of those too so right well and again sometimes it's sometimes it's money right so you know what people forget is is you know
1: well right so uh, (laughs) i know but you know and that's the issue right when you when you blow up a team right eventually all these guys gotta get paid look at toronto now toronto made you know a couple of egregious signings under but they wanted to keep the guys that they they developed right now they're in absolute cap hell no. side note I think Toronto's actually done a pretty decent job of filling out their bottom six uh this offseason with some very very low risk but high possible reward contracts but no J- the issue with Jared's version is there was always a question mark on his side uh to me he always had the skill he always had the ability to, to defend really really well and I just think that a lot of uh a lot of teams passed on him because they didn't think that he could compete with some of those high those bigger forwards and be able to be a force in front of the net. Now, was your Spurgeon again playing along Ryan Suter? I, there's no question that helped uh, his development in this game. He angles well. He's always a body position in the right spots. He defends with his brain more than does his body, but he still can handle it. He still is a guy that can play with his body, you know, the little that he has. Uh, but, you know, he's a smart defenseman. And to me, he's, if not one of the most, if not the most underrated defenseman in the entire NHL, just because of how he plays, honestly. So uh, I don't think it's a development model with him. Honestly, I think he always had it. I just think that he needed to give uh, someone a vote of confidence to him that says, hey, no, you've got the tools. Well, worry, we're not going to worry about your size being a factor. Go out and show me it. Minnesota once took a chance on it. And mind you, Minnesota's had a, a kind of a track record. I remember Casey Wellman out of UMass Amherst. Yeah. Uh, not, not the biggest kid. It had Dude, that kid could skate. Uh, but just never really quite, uh, you talk about developing, you just never really quite developed of the offensive producer I think they were hoping for. Uh, but you, again, I think the overall thing I'm trying to just, uh, trying to relay here is you need a team to take a chance on you, right? You need a, you need a team that believes in your skill
0: set and you have to take it and run with it and Jared Spurgeon did. So Well, best Minnesota wild draft pick ever, Cal Clutterbuck. We all know that um, <laughs> almost spit out your coffee, underrated shot too. He is. He has a hell of a shot too. So, yeah, I once heard a story that, um, one of the, um, coaches that I, uh, I know that's part of the, um, Olympic hockey teams, um, the Paralympic teams, I uh, had said that they went to a training camp where he was out there with a bunch of kids, um, whatever. And, uh, he jumped on the ice and within 10 seconds, he had ran over a little kid, not paying attention, just <laughs> mowed him down, coming, <laughs> coming across the ice to the X energy center. So, uh, Cal Clutter black, I, uh, Plays like uh, he does on the ice, off the ice, at training camp as well too. But he only had 11 points last year, so he's a guy that he knows his role very, very well too. So you want to compare a guy like him and Freddie Gaudreau um, for the Minnesota Wild? A great pickup for for Minnesota there. Not as cool as a uh, not as cool as a guy like uh, how about Nick Dowd though? Nick? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> want to take that transition for us? Yeah, yeah. So it's,
1: it's yeah, folks. Yeah. So Nick Dowd, uh, former St. Louis Husky and Stanley Cup winner. In 2018, Mm -hmm. with the Washington Capitals, Uh, should be joining us sometime next week on our next Healthy Scratch interview for episode number 70. So stay tuned for that. We're still trying. to Tentatively,
0: I haven't texted the guy yet. So
1: yeah. So well, (laughs) I was getting there. Thank you. But you're welcome. Hey, we're one for one now. (laughs) Fair enough. So I hate you still. So but (laughs) (laughs) we know. We know. We know. I know. But uh, you know. (laughs) Yeah. But we're trying to get uh, Nick out on the show. uh, Trying to get a little bit more alumni flavor as we head into the last part of summer and also gear up towards uh what's supposed to be a very exciting husky senior coming up here um in october so uh, a lot of things still uh, have to kind of be done so you still gotta text the guy you text i swear you text
0: everybody else more than you text me that's fine i don't care i so, texted i texted you three times in the last two days and you didn't text me back once so that's on you buddy that's so
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes, yeah, so that will do it for episode number seventy-two here for the Huskies Women's Podcast. I'm Nick Max alongside Noah Grant. We'll see you next week here back in the day. One timer they score. in a from So Dana Rasmussen sent fires and she scores. Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. Oh.
0: Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real.
1: Welcome to the NHL. A game winner. St. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up
0: the school's first ever title.